It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for October 1st, 2009. We're live on your computer tonight, and we appreciate you being here. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is across the table from me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Thank you for being here. And in between us, we have a guest. My father-in-law, Nick Law, is back on the program tonight from Jennings, Florida. Hello, Nick, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Yeah, good to be with you. Dad, we've got an interesting topic planned for tonight. Yeah, we do. But before we get to that, Jacob, I know that probably a number of people who are listening be interested to know that congratulations are due to you, actually due to, uh, due to us all, but especially to you. Uh, Jacob's a new father as of Monday this week, so we give him his congrats. And, and Nick and I are, are grandpas again, so we're glad for that. Congratulations, well, Jacob. Well, thank you, and it is good that you mentioned that because I'm probably going to need some uh, an excuse for some irrelevant comments tonight because well, of lack of sleep. Sleep deprivation is a yeah, bad thing. Yeah. But, uh, but that's uh, that baby's answer a lot of prayers, and I know that many of the people who know you have been praying about that, and yes, so we're, we we're very that. grateful. Yes, and uh, that ties into our topic for tonight. That's right. We want to talk about prayer tonight. We've talked about prayer before on the virtual Bible study, uh, but it's been a while, and uh, whenever we talk about a subject, we always try to approach it in a little bit of a new way. And so earlier today to our update list, I sent out um, – Three questions to sort of spur the discussion, and you can still respond. We'd love to get your response. In fact, remember all of our contact means and methods. Email to questions at collegeview.com. Call us toll-free, 877-381-4567. You can also jump in the chat room. Jacob, I think the the info on how to get into the chat room should be scrolling across the it's screen. It's on the bottom of your screen if you're watching us at Ustream.tv. Uh, click, uh, follow the link that is there, and you can join in with other listeners in the chat room tonight. And and it looks like, again, tonight you can only comment. You can read by just uh, – anybody can read the comments. You can only make comments if you sign up for a, a free online account there but it's real easy and doesn't cost anything you don't even have to give much information to get it there are several who are in the chat room tonight without the privilege to chat dean in louisiana is the only one who has created an account and is ready to chat with you we we hope that some of the rest of you will create an account so you can get in there and Dean may like talking to himself though who knows maybe so uh but anyway to the update list earlier today and you can get on that update list by sending us email as well but i asked these questions Number one, what rules can we find in the Bible that apply to prayer? Number two, what are some of the things that we can and should be praying for? And number three, what suggestions can you offer that will help to improve our prayers? And so we're looking for your feedback. Again, rules, look at this. Question one, what rules apply? Question two, what should we pray for? Question three, what can improve our efforts in making prayers to God? So all of those things are important parts of the subject of prayer, and we hope you'll join us in discussing those things. Dean says 
Uh, salutations, by the way, in the chat room. Thank He's you, waiting Dean. for somebody to get in there and talk to him. Yes, Dean, glad you're out there tonight, and we'd like you to join in with Dean, and we would especially like you to join in the discussion with us tonight over the phone at 877-381-4567. The line's open. Let us know your thoughts about prayer or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. An important uh, topic for tonight and a lot of things that we need to know about as we pray because we do want our prayers to be effective. And the Bible's very clear that some people pray, and it uh, I've heard someone say it doesn't make it uh, past the ceiling. Uh, it's ineffective, and we want our prayers to be effective. Okay, so let's, let's, let's start the discussion by talking about some of the applicable rules. And I, I think probably some people would be surprised to hear us talk about prayer in that vein, saying that there are rules that apply. Maybe there's a better way to describe it, but I think that there are certain conditions and rules that pertain to prayer. Exactly right. First off, uh, Nick, we know the scriptures are very clear that uh, God doesn't hear certain people's prayers. That's right. He, we learn from uh, the book of John that God heareth not sinners. Uh, those who are his children uh, is the ones that he has promised to answer. Uh, in Matthew 6 and verse 9, our Lord, as he is teaching about prayer, he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father which art in heaven. And so God needs to be our Father, and we're talking about that in a spiritual sense. So if you, don't, if you don't have that relationship established, then you couldn't pray the prayer that Jesus said we should pray. You can't address God as your father if you haven't committed yourself to him in a, in a relationship, a covenant relationship, wherein you have met the terms and conditions of being in that relationship. And so prayer is, is an exclusive right of true Christians. A lot of people don't, I don't think a lot of people don't, really understand that because you can talk sometimes to people who are very ungodly in their life they're not interested in religion they don't spend any time or effort at all in serving the lord but when they get into some crisis situation they want to pray nick that's right often you hear people on the uh various newscasts or or that is on the media they they use god's name but uh they don't ever think about him at other times uh but they they will bring it up and they don't act like they really know him, and certainly they don't, unless they have become his child. Exactly right. And Jesus said in John 15, verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But notice that's a conditional promise. That's not just a promise for anybody that you can ask, and the Lord will answer your prayer. It's for those who abide in him. It's, it's limited. Uh, and then... A very clear verse is 1 Peter 3, verse 12, that says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so one of the one of the sad consequences of not being a Christian, not trying to serve the Lord, not, not making any efforts toward righteousness, is you're shut off from being able to pray to God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Uh, God will not hear the prayers of sinners. It's very clear. Numerous passages that have been cited so far, Dad, that show that God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. Now, we can tie that in with uh, a, a common doctrine in the world today. That is the sinner's prayer, that if you want to be saved, you just need to say a sinner's prayer. The scriptures would seem to think, uh, show us that uh, that prayer won't be effective. Lonely Dean in the chat room offers... Psalms 34:15 The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. But you what you just said Jacob raises a question 
You know, and I agree with you. I don't. I think one of the fallacies of the of the sinner's prayer for salvation is that first of all, there's no command or example of anything like that. But secondly, there's this question of whether God accepts the prayers of those who are not in a relationship with Him. It raises the question about Cornelius. And Nick, I'd be glad to hear what you had to say about this. In in Acts chapter ten. When the angel appeared to Cornelius, it says in Acts 10, beginning verse 3, Cornelius saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. The question that always comes up when we make the point, God doesn't hear, this, hear the prayers of those who are not in a right relationship with him. Is the question about Cornelius. How, how would you answer that, Nick? Well, I, I usually think of uh, sometimes we may not define clearly what we mean by sinners, because we do have those who are in in the kingdom or in that are children of the Father that sin, and we see there are different instructions given to them to to correct their sins. I usually think of someone uh, like Cornelius uh, is a searcher, a seeker of God. And, of course, the Bible teaches very clearly that that is God's will. That's the very purpose for Jesus coming to the earth. But as an alien from God, as one who is searching and seeking, none of none of the prayers that he had directly saved him. But he was doing what God had uh, said that he should be doing, and that's seek, knock, and ask. And he certainly was of that character. And, and we see as the gospel, it took the gospel to bring him into Christ, to get him in a right relationship so that his prayers uh, would fit the description of what Peter has said. God's ears are open to their prayers. So we may be, uh, our, our statement may be a little bit too general yeah. when we say God doesn't hear the, the prayer of sinners. I mean, I'm a sinner. When I sin, if, if I sin today as a Christian, I'm a sinner. And, but, but I can, I have the privilege to pray to God as a Christian for forgiveness. So we may be making, swiping with a little bit too broad a brush when we just say blanket, God doesn't hear sinners. And in the case of Cornelius, I think that this this is a guy who hadn't become a Christian yet. But here's God. I believe what we learn there is God is going to make it possible for someone who's seeking to find the truth. In Cornelius's case, uh, God God's aware of a sinner who's seeking the truth. We could we can clearly conclude that from Cornelius. And I like what Nick's uh, doing there about uh, knocking and and asking. And so there is some indication that God would uh, be, and He shows it here with Cornelius. And be receptive to that uh, that request. Okay, so uh, but the, uh, I think a good first rule is if you're going to pray, you need to be one who's who's in a relationship with God, seeking to be right with God. It is not a privilege of a person who just generally ignores God and the will of God and just lives wickedly. It's it's not in their it's not in their bill of rights to be able to pray at the drop of a hat or whenever they feel some crisis situation develop. This privilege belongs to the people of God. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you participate, or you can join in with the listeners in the chat room, and we can see your comments there. We uh, see that Christians have the privilege of prayer, Dad, but there also is a command uh, that uh, Christians need to be praying. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting consideration when if if we describe God as all-knowing, then how is it that it's necessary for us to pray to him to make requests or tell him what we need or desire when he knows it before we ask for it? 
Why, why are we commanded to pray? If God knows our minds and our thoughts and he knows us better than we know our own selves, why pray when God is all-knowing is a question that, that is often asked. Uh, and, and I believe that, that it is for our good. We pray for, we're commanded to pray for our benefit. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, Jesus said, Your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. But he still said in Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So prayers for our good, we're commanded to do it. It, it. it constantly affirms our need and dependence upon God and keeps us mindful of all the blessings that he bestows upon us. And so we need to be praying and needs to be a, a regular part of our lives. Exactly right. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing, which would, should be indicative of the life of a Christian in other words, it's not a thing that oh, I'll pray today and then I may forget to pray for five or six days. Nick, I, yeah. I, I, that shouldn't be characteristic of a Christian. That's right. I, I think the idea there is very clearly and simply pray. You start your prayer life and you continue your prayer life. Certainly it's not telling us just to do one commandment and that's all we have to do the rest of, of our lives on this earth. But that's something we should begin. And uh, it, it is something that at times we grow weak in uh, and and we need to be reminded that it is not just a suggestion, but a commandment. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, the passage you referenced there, Dad, where we were commanded to pray without ceasing, the word actually means to be constantly recurring. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything else but pray. Uh, Paul gives us an example of that. He uses this, uh, the same idea in Romans chapter 1, verse 19. For God is my Romans chapter 1, verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel for, of his Son, that without ceasing... I make mention of you always in my prayers. He was making mention of the Christians that he was addressing there in the book of Romans without ceasing. But if you flip over to chapter 10, in chapter 10, uh, verse 1, he says he was also praying for the unsaved Jews, that they would be saved. So he wasn't just praying for Christians there when he said he was praying for them without ceasing, but it was a constantly recurring thing, and that needs to be uh, indicative of our life of prayer as well. Exactly right. We've got some emails coming in. We've got a couple that have come in. We want more emails on this. What rules do you see that pertain to prayer? I think we're ready for a break, Jacob. We want to cover a few more of those rules. But then we also want to get to the questions, what should we be praying for? And also, what are suggestions that will help us do a better job in prayer? That's our discussion tonight. So get us your email or Pick up the phone, give us a call. It's uh, toll-free, 877-381-4567. Or questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. 
This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it, and we look forward to your participation. Join in over the phone, over email, or in the chat room. As we talk about prayer, and it is important in our life, we want to talk about ways that our prayers can be effective, some guidelines or some rules for our prayers. We've got some emails from our listeners so far. We'd like to join yours with that group so that we can include your comments. So join in on the program now. We've got uh, Arthur in Kalioka who has sent in a verse, Proverbs 28, verse 9. He turneth away his ear from hearing the law. Even his prayer shall be an abomination. So it's describing a person who's not interested in hearing the law of God. God says, you won't hear me, I won't hear you. It's an abomination. I mean, he, he can't stand that. And that describes a lot of the prayers, Nick, that you referenced earlier, where someone gets in a crisis, they don't care anything about God or doing his will, and maybe they're in a crisis as a direct result of their abandonment of God's principles in their lives. And what do they do? Immediately, they ask God for assistance with that. And uh, that uh, is something that's disgusting to God. That's, that's right. We have to be practicing his His law uh, his ears are open to the righteous. You cannot be righteous while you have sin as a part of your life. We, we need to get sin out of our life. God's grace has provided the means and methods uh, uh, of our obedience to the commands of our Lord to contact that blood and have sin removed from us and, and puts us in a position where we can call him our father. Okay. You know, um, we, we've been saying that if, if a person's not a Christian, his prayer won't be answered. But I think we could add to that and say that if, if a person is a Christian but has abandoned efforts to maintain holiness and moral purity in their life, that even those people will will get to the point where God won't answer or respond to their prayers. Um, in First uh, John 3, verse 22, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What's implied is if you don't keep his commandments and do the things that are right in his sight, then we can ask and we won't receive from him. James chapter 5 verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so if you're not a Christian, you don't have the privilege of prayer. And if you're even if you are a Christian, if you've not made an effort to serve the Lord and be faithful to him, you you can get to the position where God won't hear your prayers either. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're about 20 minutes into a discussion of prayer and some rules and guidelines that the scriptures put forth on how we should pray and some criteria uh, for our prayers so that our prayers will be effective. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Let me get an email from Randy in Jackson, Missouri, who gives us some suggestions for rules of, about prayer. He says... Don't pray publicly for the attention of man. Uh, I question the meet me at the poll ceremonies each year when students plan a prayer meeting and then contact the TV and newspaper to cover the event. And thought about that. But yeah, Jesus you, in the Sermon on the Mount warned about prayer, pr- prayers to be seen of men. You know, there is a discussion among uh, Christians about whether you should pray at a restaurant uh, before your meal. What are your thoughts about that? You know, you're out there in public where people could see you praying. 
uh, is it a good idea to pray in public? Nick, thoughts on that? Uh, I, I believe that our, our purpose of prayer ought to be giving a thanks for the food. And, of course, if other people hear that, I think about Paul and Silas as they were singing praises in the prison. The other prisoners heard what they were doing. And uh, I, they were not doing that uh, for the purpose of entertaining those people, but they were doing that out of their conviction. So I think it needs to be out of our own conviction, doing God's will, uh, addressing God, not to be seen of men, as Jesus said. And uh, I, I believe the public prayer is, is fine then. But I do agree with the brother who who is uh, sent it in. And, and I, I know used to when I worked uh, at the courthouse, uh, they would have uh, meetings around the flagpole to pray. And, of course, there would be people coming there to pray, and and they would have the public scene and the public setting, and people would go. I never did attend that, but I would pray. I could pray where I was without going to such an event. I I guess, and this is where we have to leave it to the individual to know what their heart is. God knows their heart. We're not able to judge their heart. But Jesus did warn very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 6, Verse 5, beginning, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. So Jesus said, don't be doing that. Don't be doing it to make a show. And 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 to get. he goes on to say, uh, verse 7, When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So they wanted to make a big scene. And they wanted people to look up to them and admire them for their praying. And so I think the point Randy makes is is uh, a good rule. Don't pray to be seen of men. Now, that doesn't mean that you might not be seen by men sometimes when you pray, but that's not your purpose in doing it. And while we're here, let's make an application to leading public prayers in an assembly. Uh, probably the closest we would get to doing what they were doing there in Matthew 7 that Jesus was condemning would be our public prayers in the assembly. And we should not want our prayers to be such when we're leading those prayers to put on a show where someone would then... Uh, applaud our our spirituality or our perceived righteousness because of the way that we pray. Uh, I think you're right. Randy goes on in that same comment, say, using the points Jesus used in the so-called Lord's Prayer would be good. Give thanks for daily bread. Lift up the name of God. Pray that his kingdom would come and rule in our lives. I might word that last part different about the kingdom coming. I mean, I think Jesus, when he prayed, he was praying before the arrival of the kingdom and so he was praying that the kingdom would actually come. But I think that he, he's in doing so, he indicated it's clearly right to pray about the kingdom. We believe the kingdom has come. The church is his kingdom. But we can pray for the for the furtherance of the kingdom, for the growth and expansion of the kingdom and all, all such things as that. Uh, I do think that Rand is exactly right. In Matthew chapter 6, where we were just reading, where Jesus was warning about the abuses of prayer, he goes on to give what people have called the Lord's Prayer, or I think better identified as the model prayer. Uh, Matthew 6, beginning verse 11, or actually beginning verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are general categories of things mentioned there that we can uh, sort of link to and we can develop those in our in our own prayers. He prayed for physical necessities. 
He didn't pray for abundance. He prayed for the necessary things. For that day. Right. For that day. There we yeah, go. He, My mic's he, on now. Uh, okay. But, yeah, his necessities for that day. And, uh, and he, okay. He, he prayed uh, uh, for the kingdom, as we said. He prayed for forgiveness, and he prayed for strength against temptation. And he also spent, I think it's very interesting, in that relatively short prayer, there's a, 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 a pretty high percentage, if you were just to break it down in word-for-word analysis, pretty pretty high percentage of what he did was spent in praising God. And I think that needs to be an important part of our prayers. We need to, and I think that's something we got to work at. We're usually pretty good at asking for things. It's easy to ask for things you want. We need to work at developing the ability to offer praise to God. And that's clearly in the prayer of Jesus. And that goes along with what Patrick has said. And Patrick is from Birmingham, Alabama. Good day from Patrick tonight. He says Matthew 6, verses 1 through 15, gives us a good teaching on prayer. The chief principle in this passage is humility. Prayer must be with a humble spirit. This is also the principle taught in the parable of the publican and the sinner who both pray, but the sinner goes home justified. Secondly, Jesus gives us a specific set of words to pray in the Our Father or Lord's Prayer. Although I don't have time here to argue for the use of memorized prayer, Jesus teaches a prayer to use. Thirdly, this passage also, or this prayer also teaches us various principles of prayer, such as simplicity, trust in God, and desiring God's will rather than our own. Also, Jesus also seen in Jesus' prayer the night of his arrest. Perseverance in prayer is also taught in the parable of the widow and the judge. Okay. Um, he mentions memorized prayers, and Catholic uh, Patrick is a member of the Catholic Church where they would recite memorized prayers and the danger there would be what jesus was condemning their vain repetitions if we're, if are if we're not i don't think i don't think you could say it'd be wrong to recite no, a, a prayer but if you're just doing it by rote and not thinking about the that's words right. that's then, where the caution would yeah, be yeah. yeah okay um and uh perseverance in prayer we haven't talked about that but uh he does mention there that uh you know that we do need to be perseverance uh nick you got a thought well, in, in the persevering of prayer, we did start out with the idea we pray without ceasing. That is, we continue on. Uh, we don't, we, in, you know, it, it's a part of our lives. I, I think about the idea of the things that we pray for. We repeat over and over and over the things we say. And, of course, he said not to have the vain repetitions. And even in, in the prayers, like in John 17, it's interesting to see how many times our Lord mentioned Father. And, and sometimes in our prayer, we're here, brethren, constantly uh, repeat that, but that does not mean it's vain simply because you have have it memorized. You know what it. You know what you're going to say maybe a, ahead of time, uh, and certainly that you you need to have given some thought and make sure that the words that you are using are are the thoughts of your mind. And the, and when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest, he prayed three times. And in Matthew 26 verse 44, it says he went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Not that you're saying the same words, but if you're not thinking about the words or not, it's not from the heart, then that's the problem. You know, I think sometimes we're guilty of praying in vain, though, Nick, where we just pray for something. We think there's no chance that God would actually hear that prayer. Uh, for instance, uh, someone who's sick or there's uh, some problem in our lives, we, we know we should pray for it, but we just do it. We don't really think, though, that God would actually answer that prayer. Yeah. Uh, it, what, whatever we pray for ought to be in faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, in, in Matthew chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-two, Jesus said, "In all things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive." I think that'd be a, another good rule to add to our list of rules for prayer. You got to pray in faith. 
Uh, James 1, verses 5 through 7, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. We've got to pray in faith. Absolutely. We're up against a break. It's time for this week's bullet point. We'll take it, and then we'll get back to the discussion tonight. What are your thoughts about prayer? What are some guidelines that you use, and what are some things that we need to know from the scriptures about prayer. Let us know your thoughts over the phone or over email. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Here's a challenge for you. Try to find a single place in the scriptures where the Lord ever encountered a person and encouraged him to stay as he was. You can't do it, can you? The Lord always encouraged people to change, to become better than they were. Oh, yes, some were already morally purer than others. For instance, Cornelius, according to Acts 10, verse 2, was a devout man who feared God, gave alms liberally, and prayed constantly. Sounds pretty good. But then there were folks like the Corinthians who, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 9, had been immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers. But regardless of their existing conditions, everyone had to change. Why? Well, Paul answers this for us when he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Our problem is that we have too many who call themselves Christians who have never gotten serious about making changes and improvements in their lives. They still want to act like they used to act, dress like they used to dress, talk like they used to talk, and so forth. The heart of the problem may be that we have failed to see ourselves as real sinners. After all, it's reasoned, we aren't nearly as bad as many others in our society. We need to stop deceiving ourselves by such useless comparisons. Unless the statistics have changed, it still remains true that, quote, there is none righteous, no, not one. That being the case, we need to be changing, improving for the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Wow, this Internet thing is really growing. And what could be better than using the Internet for Bible study? I guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual Bible study. Good idea, don't you think? A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about prayer. And we hope to hear from you on the program tonight. Join in over the phone at 877-381-4567 or via email questions at collegeview.com. If you are joining us from our Ustream.tv feed tonight, you may have never been to our website. We would encourage you to visit collegeview, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E.com or simply TheVirtualBibleStudy.com will get you there as well. So find out more about the College View Church of Christ that sponsors this program by visiting our website. Jacob, uh, Arthur sent in a, a, a verse that I think addresses the question of the appropriateness of praying before meals. Acts 27, 35. Uh, this is talking about the Apostle Paul. When he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. That might be a very good verse to that question of, is it appropriate to pray in front of others or wherever others might see or hear you? Uh, Paul did. All right. Good. Thank you, Arthur, for that good comment tonight. All right. Uh, we have uh, gone over a couple points. Dad, several more points that we could talk about. Uh, let's, let's move on to the idea of some things that should be prayed for. Because I think, first of all, let, let's add another point. When we pray... Our prayers have got to be in harmony with the will of God. Um, yes. In 1 John 5:14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 
And so, so I think it's an obvious rule, although it should be stated. When we're talking about rules for Bible study, we got to pray for things that are in harmony with the will of God. For instance, let's say that that um, my dear departed loved one is laying there in a casket, and I'm praying that they'll come back to life. I'm wasting my breath to pray that prayer. It's not the will of God says that's not going to happen. Not in this day and time. In the, in, in the time when they were miracles, possibly they could be raised from the dead. But in this day and time, they're not going to be raised from the dead. And so that's a prayer not in accordance with the will of God. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And so that that person who's dead is going to stay dead until the resurrection of the dead. And there's no use in me praying otherwise. It would be wrong. It would, it, not only would it not do any good, it would be in violation of this instruction. So that's one rule, that our prayers need to be according to the will of God. And a rule for making our prayers more effective in general would to make sure that our lives get in harmony with God's will so that our will begins to line up with his will. And by studying his word and understanding his will, then our prayers will be in harmony with his will, and therefore our prayers will be more effective. And uh, so we, we need to understand that. Uh, Randy has written and said, we can and should pray for anything that is for sure in the will of God. So he's saying the same thing there, I believe. He says, for example, the scriptures say that God desires all men to be saved. We should pray for that. We we know that that's true. God wants all men to be saved. It would be very appropriate for us to pray for lost sinners, that they'll come to know and obey the will of God. That's a good thing to pray for. We know it's within the will of God. Now, if we were to pray that God would save sinners in in their condition, without any repentance, without any change of heart, then that'd be outside the will of God. We couldn't pray or shouldn't pray that prayer. You know, Nick, if we will be praying for things that are according to God's will, that'll put a spiritual focus on our prayers, take it away from maybe the physical focus that we often tend to think about in our prayers. Yeah, I think about the passage in 1 John 5, verse 14. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And then a little later there it says, if we see a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, I take that to mean a, one that he is willing to repent of. God is not going to forgive someone that will not repent, will not change their lives and, and conform to his will. It teaches us not to pray for such a one. There, He says we, we should not pray for it. And anyone who is living in an unrighteous life, it, it is sin. And so, uh, you know, if we are worried about God's will and praying according to his will, that I think that will put uh, a, a spiritual focus on our request you know, we oftentimes get uh, bound up with the physical and consumed with physical needs. But the most important things are the spiritual, and uh, certainly those are things that would, should have priority in our life. Yeah, I think sometimes it's indicative of where our main focus is when, when we find out what we're praying about. We spend all the time praying about physical things, even even serious physical things like physical ailments or, or you know, even, even if uh, the main part of our prayers is dealing with physical necessities, food, clothes, and shelter. It's not wrong to pray for those things. Jesus said we should. But if we find that our main focus of our prayer is concentrated on that, it's a pretty good self-test to say maybe I'm not focusing enough on and I'm not paying enough attention to spiritual things in my life. And if we're praying for other people who are sick physically, and that's a good thing to pray for, but if we rarely pray for those who are having spiritual struggles, then that may show us again that our focus is on the spiritual and not as much concern on this on the spiritual. Uh, a little bit more here from Randy's email. He said, I've always found it useful, as the scriptures do, to compare our relationship to God with that of a human father and child. Any father enjoys listening to the yearnings of a child, even if he doesn't agree totally with the child's desires. Um, 
Uh, I think that is interesting to think of it that way. And and Jesus did that, by the way, uh, in Matthew chapter 7. He said, um, "Ask Matthew 7, beginning verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. Him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread will give him a stone, or if he ask a fish he will give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, what's, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But Jesus makes the point there. We've got a loving Heavenly Father, and if we can understand the father-child relationship from a human perspective, then it's, it's even magnified way beyond that in the relationship to how God cares for us and wants to answer our prayers. Nick? Yeah, I think back to James 1 that you used earlier, uh, those who lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And God uh, is pointing out to us there in his word the things that he is willing to give us, and uh, he will not get on to us. Sometimes our children may ask us for something, and we may not think they need it, and we may upbraid them or we may get on to them. One of the things that our Heavenly Father will not do is uh, try to upbraid us for asking for that which is his will also in this verse it goes on to say but we must ask in faith and it it is pretty simple to see that romans 10 verse 17 teaches us faith cometh by hearing so god's word will clearly teach us the things for which we ought to pray if we'll just read the verses and make a list of those things and we'll know what is god's will all right excellent I think that's interesting that you said it that way because I've got I've got a list like that, Nick. What I, I I put together some notes a while back on the things that the early Christians prayed for from the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts, of course, is the is the history of the development of Christianity and how it spread throughout the world. And and it, it just went through and and this may not be an exhaustive list. There may be more things, but I found these things in the Book of Acts that early Christians were praying for. In chapter 1, verse 24, even before the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were together, they prayed for help in making an important decision about a replacement for Judas among the apostles. So they prayed when there was an important decision to be made. In chapter 4, beginning verse 23, they prayed for boldness to preach the gospel in the midst of threats and persecution. So, so that they could be, so they prayed to be strong when it was not easy to be strong. They prayed for their spiritual strength. Third, in chapter 7, Beginning verse 59, they prayed for their enemies and their persecutors. While they were being persecuted, they prayed for their persecutors. Uh, in chapter 8, beginning verse 22, they petitioned God for forgiveness of their sins. We know that Simon the sorcerer was taught there in Acts 8:22. He had sinned, and he was taught to pray for the forgiveness of his sins. And in chapter 12, beginning verse 5, they prayed for safety, protection, and deliverance. Uh, in in their in their daily affairs and and especially when they were in danger, so there was a few things, several things that they prayed for, but then there were also some more indica- indications about their prayers, the things that prompted them when they prayed. In Acts six verse six and in chapter thirteen verses one through three, they prayed when they were sending men out to preach the gospel and to do other work on the Lord's behalf. So when before. Uh, undertaking important work in the kingdom. They prayed. They In chapter 14, verse 23, they prayed at the appointment of qualified men to serve as elders. They prayed when they were in physical danger, chapter 12, verse 5 and following, chapter 16, verse 25 and following, chapter 20, verses 36 and following. They they prayed when they were parting from, from loved ones, 
when Paul left the Ephesian elders in Acts 21, verse 5, they kneeled and prayed together. And they prayed when partaking of food, that verse that Arthur suggested earlier, chapter 27, verse 35. So in all of those things, you know, that's that can help us to look and see what did they do uh, under the in, under the teaching and direct influence of the inspired apostles? What kind of things were in their prayers? Uh, and I, I think we can get a pretty good handle on And there some. is a spiritual tilt in the things you mentioned there. Not there. There are they were praying for physical things, but there was a focus on the things that were spiritual. Nick. I believe if you were to go back to to both the Old Testament as well as the things Jesus taught, you would find that what they're doing is probably explicitly stated somewhere in the Scriptures. For example, when they were asking for help for uh, the choosing of of an apostle to take the place of Judas, uh, they they followed the specific commands of the Old Testament by casting lots and of course proverbs 16 33 would say the casting of the lot is of the lord so they're doing exactly what god had taught them and of course many of these other things were right in the prayer that jesus taught if you're going to have men forgiven you have to you have to be willing to forgive so even your enemies they're they're doing what they're asking for and and they're asking for the things that was the will of god and therefore praying by faith Right. All right. Uh, you, we, you mentioned their dad praying for their enemies, and uh, the scriptures are very explicit about that as well. And that's something we—that's easy for us to leave out. You know, I'll pray for what I need. I'll pray what, the, what for the ones that I love need. And uh, we sometimes forget to pray for our enemies, but the scriptures are very clear. Matthew 5:44. I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully hate you, or excuse me, despitefully use you and persecute you. That's a that's a hard instruction. That may be one of the harder instructions in the Bible, right there. But mm-hmm. it is a necessary thing, and uh, that needs to be done in faith as well. We need to be sincere about that, not uh, make it a vain prayer. Patrick in Birmingham, Alabama, tells us we should pray not only for ourselves but also for the whole Christian community and indeed all people. Notice the plural forms: Our Father, give us this day, etc. Not My Father, give me this day. Interesting. He says we should pray for our unity of all Christians, as Jesus did. We should pray for all government leaders. So we may live peaceful lives. We should pray for our needs and for forgiveness of, of sins, both our own and others. We should pray for uh, that God send more laborers into the harvest. Any and all good things should be prayed for, but these are some obvious examples from Scripture. I think a good points. I, I appreciate all those suggestions of things to pray for uh, in Patrick's comments there. Um, the point of Jesus, too, was is when he was on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we know they were his enemies. He, he, he died there for all of us, not while we were his friends, but while we were his enemies. And you bring up another topic we could spend a lot of time talking about. Did Jesus, did, was Jesus actually asking for their forgiveness then and there or asking God to make it possible that they could be forgiven? Certainly, I believe when we read Acts 2, we'll, we'll see that it's conditional because some of those uh, Peter still charging them with sin on the day of Pentecost, and they needed to repent and to be baptized so the blood could wash them away. All right, Jacob, let's take our last break. We got to talk, we want to talk about suggestions to improve our prayer, and we've got a question that came in asking about praying to the Holy Spirit. We want to comment about that uh, in our last segment. So get us your suggestions to help make our prayers better, and also if you have any thoughts about praying to the Holy Spirit. Let us know, and we'll get to that. I'm not sure we're going to get any comments about that one, but if you've got any ideas, we would love to hear them. Uh, let us know, 877-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. 
These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the program tonight. We're going to go to the top of the hour talking about prayer, and we're glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, that passage that uh, was just mentioned there coming on, out of our break, that Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, knowing that God will be with us, he'll never forsake us, certainly that would prompt us to be more diligent and more faithful in our prayers. I think exactly right. Uh, and, and this is a, an important subject, maybe one that's taken for granted too much. Prayer is very important. The Bible says a lot about it, Nick. And, and if we take it for granted or kind of, you know, uh, uh, overlook it, I, I, and I admit that, it, that a, a thing that happens in my life that I have to work at overcoming is I get busy doing other things and I don't take time to think about praying. The commands are clear. You know, uh, we we. We are to pray without ceasing. Uh, when we do pray, we ought to pray with the spirit, the understanding. Uh, it is a part of our, our service to God and worship to him, as we and, and we need it so desperately uh, for the connection. Uh, you know, rather than us have some make-believe or, or that God is mythical, we need to believe he's real. And if, if we believe he's real, then we will do these commands. You know, one thing that I've uh, that happens, and I always try to catch myself in this, but Maybe something you've been praying for a lot, paying a lot of attention to it, and then you see an answer to that prayer. And what we need to do immediately upon that is thank God for the answered prayer. And sometimes you get that answered prayer, and it's it's been where maybe hours later I think, oh, wait a minute. That prayer was just answered that I've been praying, and I should have thanked you. I for think it. we need to be more diligent in seeing the answer to the prayers too. Yeah. You know, we get in the we get in the middle of the fire, and then the fire goes out, and we say, "Boy, I'm glad that's over." Without stopping to realize, hey, that was an answer to the prayers. Exactly right. We've been praying for Micah to get here for, yeah, for a while, baby and Micah. we are thankful he is exactly. here. That's right, and and uh, that is the truth. Um, we got. Let, let's get some of these suggestions for improving our prayers. Randy says, "Avoid repetition." We've commented on that. It's not wrong to repeat even Jesus repeated prayers, but it's wrong to repeat if you're not thinking about what you're doing. He said, uh, Randy says, avoid the frequent use of the word just. And boy, I want to jump on that. I'll say amen to that point. 
I, I don't know why this has become a popular thing. Uh, and you hear it in, in prayers. Lord, I just want to thank you. Just, Lord, just, just, just. And the prayers are com- spiced throughout with the word just, and it doesn't even make sense in English grammar the way they're using that terminology. I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on that. Oh, I have. I, and and I, I agree with Rand. Let's don't. Let's talk to God like we talk normally. Let's don't let's don't devise some kind of artificial or phony prayer language. A King James uh, language. Well, even, yeah, it doesn't have to. Be, you know, I've known people who think you have to say thee and thou instead of you and yours mm-hmm. uh, in I don't think that's. I don't think that's the case. But I don't. I agree with Randy. Let's don't use the word just. Let's just don't use the word just uh, to develop some kind of. Emotionalism that that is artificial. It's not. I, I think it's, it's it's worthless. He says, think of prayer as a conversation. We don't use a person's name in every sentence when we talk to them. I don't think God is honored by the mindless use of His name in every sentence. And it's always good to pray in Jesus' name. We should thank God for the privilege of prayer. What an honor to talk to the Creator with without a mediator. Okay, so uh, I appreciate uh, Randy's thoughts there. And I think Patrick's, Patrick's got a few thoughts there. He does. Jake. He says we should pray every day. <clears throat> and certainly if we will, that will improve our prayers. Uh, he says, I would go so far as to say it is completely impossible to live a Christian life and please God without daily prayer. Pray first thing in the morning and offer your day to God, a tradition known as the morning offering in the, his Catholic uh, religion. Uh, fast as well as pray. Uh, fasting helps us humble ourselves, Psalm 35, and make our prayers more pleasing to God. Spend time. Uh, devoted to prayer, pray while driving, pray while working, say short little prayers throughout the day, meditate on scripture, doctrine, and holy things, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Interesting comments there about uh, praying while driving, praying while working, and saying short little prayers throughout the day. Nikki, when you think about uh, prayer, typically we think about uh, long, lengthy prayers, but the scriptures have plenty of prayers that are short in duration, and examples of people who prayed uh, prayers that were short in duration, we uh, should be doing that as well. That's correct. I believe many times if you were to just go to the uh, prayers of the Old Testament prophet sometime or, or someone like Nehemiah, you'll, you'll read it. And, and maybe the prayer that Solomon prayed, if you read through it, you could read through it probably in about four or five minutes, I would guess, and uh, maybe a little longer than that. But some of them are just one or two liners. Okay. Uh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a comment on the Holy Spirit, praying the Holy Spirit question, Jacob. We'll get to that. I oh, put wow, the, you got a comment. I yeah. didn't think you would. Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, but I want to, I want to, real quickly, I want to run down a list that I put together sometime back about suggestions to improve prayer. Probably could talk a lot about any one of these. Here's 10 points that I put together once in the lesson, Nick, on things to improve prayer. Pray more. I don't think anybody can say, I've prayed enough or I've prayed too much. I don't think we can do it. Pray more. Be more specific. I think that, that one of the things that we do in our prayers is we're way too general. You know, if, if there's somebody specifically sick, pray for that person. Pray for their situation. If there's someone specifically struggling spiritually, pray for that person. Pray for their situation. If you're dealing with some issue, talk to God about that. Be specific. Um, pray with greater faith. Uh, if we're weak in faith, as we pointed out, it's not going to, uh, our prayers won't be answered and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Don't be selfish in prayer. In James chapter 4, verse 2, James warned about praying for things that we can consume upon our lust. We shouldn't be selfish in prayer. Be enthusiastic in prayer. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Be fervent in prayer. Be enthusiastic about it. Uh, grow in all aspects of godliness. Uh, uh, 
don't think that you can neglect other spiritual duties and and have God's ear toward your prayers. Improve your family relationships. Nick, First Peter three verse seven says that if a husband and wife uh, are not doing as they should, it could hinder prayers. Exactly. And so it would tell us, you know, improve our family relationship. That one would be easy to overlook. And yeah. that's interesting to have that in a list of how to improve your prayer. But yeah. uh, that certainly is a scriptural application. Be humble. Remember in Luke chapter 18, the publican and the Pharisee who went up to pray, the proud Pharisee's prayer was not heard. Be humble in prayer. Forgive. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that we've got to forgive if we hope to have our prayers uh, uh, for forgiveness answered. And then, of course, be persistent, as we've mentioned several times. Excellent comments there and suggestions. All right. We have time to take your comments still. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We specifically would like your comments on praying or to the Holy Spirit. Real quick, uh, in, along that line, in whose name do we pray? Uh, Arthur says, in whose name do we pray? And he answers it with Matthew 6, verse 9. We pray to the Father. You know, we've had we've talked about this before, Jacob, uh, the question of who do we pray to? Uh, and, you know, some people want to want to address prayers to Jesus. But uh, when the disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse one, it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, uh, as he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So they were specifically asking, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus answered that. He said to them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Luke chapter, that's Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Uh, I believe that our authority in the scriptures is to pray to the Father. I don't know of any authority in the scriptures to pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, uh, we, we don't want to completely revisit that subject. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him, by Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, again, we don't, we don't need to completely revisit that question, but I believe our authority is to pray to the Father in the name of, of, of Jesus. And that raises this question about, well, what about the Holy Spirit? What about the third person in the Godhead? And this is a question that comes from Crawfordsville, Indiana. Sandra writes in and says, is it wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit or to put it in another way? Is it ever right to pray to the Holy Ghost? I ask this because there are a few songs that we sing at worship that have made my family and I start to wonder about this. Songs like On Bended Knee where it says, change my life, O Holy Spirit, make me fresh and ever new. Or the song, Glorify Thy Name, where the third verse says, Spirit, we love you, we worship and adore you, glorify thy name in all the earth. I think there's a difference. Now, I, I was just stopping there for a minute. I think it's certainly appropriate to offer praise to the Spirit and to the Son and to the Father. And and in that glorify thy name, I don't take that as a prayerful request. To me, that's just an expression of praise or adoration. I think that's different. I think that is appropriate. Uh, she goes on to say, I tried to study this in the scriptures, but it seems the scriptures do not give any examples of someone addressing, praying to, or communicating directly with the Holy Spirit. I've asked a few people, and they seem to be as confused as I am about this, but most people I've talked to don't really see any problem and aren't concerned because the Holy Spirit is God. She says, this seems like an example of being silent where the Bible is silent. What do you think? Well, I, I think the Bible is silent on that, uh, and I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I just absolutely see no authority in the scriptures 
to be addressing prayers to the Holy Spirit. He he is God. We acknowledge that. But our authority in the scriptures is to pray to the Father. Any thoughts, Nick? Uh, that That's the practice that I practice. I've, I know that we're taught in the scriptures to pray to the Father. Uh, we cannot get to the Father without our mediator, our advocate, Jesus Christ. We have several passages like 1 John 2, you know, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And, of course, Second Timothy 2 says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So we know that they fulfill those roles. The Holy Spirit, you know, I know work with the apostles, bringing things to their remembrance. So we have the word. And certainly I believe, as you have pointed out, that the Holy Spirit should be honored for his work and, and what he did. But he was not speaking of his authority as, as he went to the apostles, but rather he, he was teaching whatever Jesus had taught. And if we're going to pray in faith, then we've got to be confident that the Spirit well, wants that, us to be praying to him. In that question, it said uh, the people she had asked were confused but didn't think it was a problem. Well, if you're confused, then obviously you can't pray in faith. Well, that's true. You can't. And she says she can't find anywhere in the scriptures that reference uh, praying to the Spirit, and we would agree uh, that we can as well. I got a, a comment from Brad in North Alabama who says, Regarding praying to the Holy Spirit, the scriptural evidence that we should pray to Jesus is tenuous at best. I can't think of a single scripture that gives us an example or even an implication that we should pray to the Spirit. And I think he's right about that. And so if someone was praying to the Spirit and we would say, where's the authority for that? You couldn't provide authority by way of command, example, or inference that prayers should be addressed to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're going to have to do it without faith. You can't have faith without uh, the and, scriptures. And this and this questioner makes an interesting point, Jacob. And we've commented about this before in regards to praying to Jesus. If we're not authorized to pray to the Spirit or to Jesus, but we're to address our prayers to the Father, then that should also impact maybe some of the decisions about songs we sing. And some of the songs that we commonly sing do, in my estimation at least, suggest a prayerful request toward Jesus. And therefore, I have some conscience about singing those songs that uh, and, and that has to be answered i think personally and i know there's such a thing as poetic license when songwriters write songs but i do think we want to be careful about that all right well we've come to the end of the program tonight but it has certainly been a worthwhile discussion about prayer prayers should be a very important part of every christian's life therefore it's worth studying what the scriptures say about it all right thank you for being with us nick we enjoyed uh, your comments tonight Thanks for having me. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jacob. And Arthur from Kalioka sends in his uh, uh, congratulations to you as well. Oh, well, thank you. We appreciate that. We do appreciate God's answered prayers uh, for the birth of our son. We're, we're thankful to him for that. We appreciate you being out there tonight, and we hope you benefited from our discussion of this important subject of prayer. If you have any questions about the things that we've said, please give us an email or send, uh, call us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.